Welcome to Bodcast, the business of dentistry podcast, brought to you by Practice Plan. Bodcast delivers the best business advice, real life stories, and practical hints and tips to make your practice a more profitable and sustainable business. And now, here's your host. Welcome to our latest podcast. Uh, my name is Les Jones. I'm the creative director at Practice Plan, and I'm really pleased to say that for this podcast, I'm joined by the inimitable Drew Shah. How are you doing, Drew? Oh, I'm well, good. That's a very long word, Les. That's a very long <laughs> word. But uh, yeah, no, it's always nice to talk to you, and uh, thanks for having me on. It's, um, it's a pleasure. It's thanks, thanks for coming along. So in this particular podcast, we're going to be talking about career paths, but career paths with a specific focus on associates. Yeah. And, and what options they have at the moment, uh, what decisions they might want to be making. I'm just wondering, Drew, if you, you know, cast your mind back to when you first left dental school and you were perhaps an associate, do, do you think things have changed a lot since that time? Massively. Things have changed massively. And uh, I think that, that people have to think differently. If anything, you know, when I relate to my career path, the one thing that stands out is think out of the box. And, and, and so, you know, I graduated in fact i'll cast back to 23 odd years ago when i was a dental student i was an international student and some people have heard this story but basically when i was in my third year i was paying international fees which were huge sums and uh, my dad sent me a, a message <laughs> family money's run out go to pack your bags and you got to come back i thought no i'm not doing that um so you know i i worked in um Dental school, uh, I was in dental school during the day. I worked in shoe shops, burger bars, flyer drops, you name it, at night time, and uh, forced myself through dental school. So there were days when I didn't go, you know, I didn't have any food. All I had was this one pack of Maryland double chocolate chip cookies, um, and I survived through that. So when I graduated, one, I'd gone through all this, and two, I had no cash in the bank with huge debts, huge debts. I had scholarships, loans, and I was told that. As an international graduate, you cannot do what was known as VT, DF1, in the UK. Pack your mm. bags and go. I said, hold on. I've worked hard here to stay in dentistry because I love what I do. I'm not going to do that. Um, and I, I saw these long queues of uh, patients with no NHS dentists on telly. I think it's almost reminiscent of now when we're recording this podcast. So I went to the Welsh Dean. I said, you've got a problem. I've got a problem. You don't have dentists. I don't have a job. So we were the first group who got Welsh parliamentary approval to do VT in Wales. And wow. once he got approval, he calls up and says, good news, you can do VT, thanks. Other news, you have to do it for two years. I said, double thanks. He said, third news, you have to show evidence of postgraduate uh, education. I said, triple thanks, you're paying for that one. And uh, so I stayed in a beautiful place called Welshpool for three years. Now I know we it get very that well. experience and you know it well. It's not far <laughs> yeah. from uh, where you are. Yeah. Now, when I was in Welshpool, the biggest thing I learned was because I was in, in an area with very few services and very appreciative patients out of the city, no dental hospitals, the hands-on experience I got was phenomenal. You know, doing all the extractions, the rehabs, I had to do everything. Yeah. And I stayed there for three years and I've got lots of fun stories. And uh, after three years, I felt that I need to expand my career and do that. So I, I did have an opportunity to buy into the practice at that point, but I, I thought I'd grow. So I went into the hospital jobs in London. By this time, I could move about a little bit. Now, I worked in uh, restorative house officer jobs, MaxFax, all these house officer jobs. But again, when I was in MaxFax, most people come in, do their hours, walk out. 
I found out a surgeon was doing extra lists on a Sunday. <laughs> I said, can I come join you? He said, yeah, sure. He would turn up at eight, so I decided to get there for seven, get all the paperwork ready, everything done. He walks in at eight o'clock and he said to me, let's do the consents. I said, you don't need to, it's all done. And I was like, ah. Oh. Yeah. So then he slowly let me observe him. As I went there every Sunday. And he thought this guy's mental, turning up at seven on a Sunday. He then started letting me do some stuff under supervision. And eventually I got a oral surgery job yeah. there. Then I went to my specialty training. I nearly lost all interest in dentistry. Yeah. So I thought, you know what, I'll start dental tubules. But he connected me with some of the most energetic and, and inspired professionals around the world. Yeah. And that got me back into the zest. Um, and I finished my specialty training. But one of the key messages through all this journey is that associates, especially now, have to think out of the box. I was going to pick you up on that because, you know, listening to your kind of, uh, your you looking back on your career there, it seemed to me that you are a person who's very much tuned into A, spotting an opportunity and then seizing that opportunity with, with both hands. And, you know, associates, and we're talking, I think, in this podcast about young associates, so people not that far uh, out of dental school. You know, we're, we're in this situation where, you know, there's a there's a, an industry-wide uh, retention and recruitment crisis, which which in many ways says that the young associates of today have got a lot of choice. Yeah. They, they've got, you know, doors that are open to them that perhaps weren't open to you. You had to open them yourself. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you think that's affecting, um, you know, associates in terms of whether they're choosing private or whether they're choosing NHS? Do you think the NHS is struggling to attract associates uh, in the I current environment? this is the question. What kind of choice, not just choice? Yeah. And the recruitment crisis, to me personally, is because... A lot of the associates have, have come out of dental school and they've not had the kind of experience they would have liked to have. COVID hasn't helped. Yeah. So they've come out and they want nurturing environments, environments that will help them grow as clinicians. Now, the NHS on the other side is is, is not the most nurturing environment simply because practices are, are, are focused on UDAs, which are target-based. One, that doesn't allow you to grow. Two, uh, that creates an environment where you're limited uh, to the treatments you can provide. Not the easiest thing to do. So a lot of associates are questioning whether dentistry is the right career for them. Mm-hmm. And two, if it's the right career, what kind of practices do they want? And they want practices that will help them grow, develop their skills, nurture them and become confident practitioners. On the other side, for the practice owners, this is a perfect opportunity to develop good leadership because this is not about dentistry anymore. This is about growing your teams. Don't just give CPD, let them grow. And that's where the recruitment crisis is because they're still trying to recruit associates on UDA rates mm-hmm. while a practice owner should be saying, here's the leadership and the growth we give you and an associate going, where's those growth opportunities? Mm-hmm. That I think is where the future connection is happening. Now for associates who think out of the box, and I know two who have done that, they walked into a practice, they said, here's my portfolio. Most practices don't seem to be doing portfolios. Uh, uh, sorry, associates. Here's my portfolio. I understand it's not perfect, but I'm willing to be your associate for a salary. Mm. Not a percentage, not money game, salary. I'm willing to play the long game if you will become my mentor. Which practice owner is not going to bite that hand off, right? I think associates need to step back from thinking that they'll be on huge you know, income within two, three, four years. Mm. 
and they need to think about their own growth and development in the first few years. Part of the growth and development to me is building and finding those practices that will nurture them. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's really interesting, and 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 that kind of attention, if you like, to almost say, you know, I'm I'm going to follow a career path that is about skills development and building, you know, my worth, if you like, yeah. to to not to a practice and to a patient, and almost going to forget about the money. The money will yeah. find me right. at some point. Is is quite a big perhaps a, a big mind shift for many yeah. young young um, you know associates today it's a huge mind shift especially when you come out with so much debt hey listen the kind of debt I came out with I could have bought two flats at that point right mm. um, so they don't have that much debt but you've got to put in the shift dentistry is a skill Rome wasn't built in a day um, and, and of course there are ways you can do it quickly by going through uh, certain things that associates do for example a lot of them now do the cosmetic dentistry mm. But as far as I can see, the challenge isn't for today. The challenge yeah. is for the long term because you want to be developing a career. You're going to have responsibilities in the future. You're going to have family. You will have other things. That's what you've got to think around. Where are you going to position yourself five, six, seven years from now? And if you've built yourself in a practice with a steady patient base, doing a variety of treatments, um, you'll be in a winning formula place. There's a second quandary to this. If everybody goes down the bleach bond line route, Who's going to do the dentistry, the real-world dentistry of fillings, endodontics, crowns? There's going to be dearth of that, especially if the NHS can't provide it. It's a golden opportunity for associates. If they develop themselves now, just think about where you'll be in five years' time. This is powerful thinking. Changing the mind shift is what I think is a good way to think and see it. And what about practice ownership then, Drew? You know, that, that you know we, we see a lot of young dentists coming through um, at the moment who, who have a you know, a real kind of entrepreneurial side to their to their approach to dentistry as well. And and many I would think have got practice ownership in their sites yes. perhaps a lot earlier than a previous generation. Do you think that's a good thing? Do you think you know, based on what you were just saying, do you think you know, practice ownership is something they should really take time to consider before they make that, that jump? I think um, it depends on where they are. Now, if they find a good place, they should start looking into it. This goes back to going to a practice owner. You mentor me, and I'll become your future replacement as a practice owner. And the owner is going to go, that's great. Now, now I've got an exit plan here. And if they're very entrepreneurial, they, they have to. And this is, again, two thinking. One is your clinical dental thinking. Do you want to be a good dentist? Or practice owner thinking, do you want to be a good leader? Or do you want to be both? Mm -hmm. And I think if they step into the practice ownership role, they've got to realize that with their clinical dental development, they must take on leadership development, which is a lot of them want to be practice owners, entrepreneurial, because they see the business as a way to generate income. But beyond that, they've got to be good leaders if they want that income. Again, it comes as a side effect. Yeah. Play the long game. A lot of the young ones now are thinking, and I know a few, We've taken the plunge to start a squat practice. Mm -hmm. So let's not buy something. Let's just take the plunge. And that's not a bad way to go. Mm -hmm. The associates have to understand, no risk, no reward. You're going to have to take a risk. It doesn't mean you fail. If it doesn't work, you've taken feedback. You'll become a better owner in the future. But you're not going to get the, the, the red carpet Latin path that perhaps I had. Yeah. Hospital dentistry, and I say it in a, in a nice way, is struggling with... Covid challenges, bureaucratic workloads, 
and maybe the best development is going to come from dental practices. Mm. Ownership means you control and build the environment where you want to grow. Be ready to put the graft in. Mm. It'll be worth the reward. I suppose in this current environment where you know patients are struggling to find a practice, um, struggling to find an NHS dentist, the opportunities to open a squat practice are probably greater than they've ever been because there's that level of demand out there, isn't there, of patients yes. looking for a dentist? I think that's right. The level of demand is there mm -hmm. and you have the best opportunity to demonstrate the value of dentistry, mm -hmm. the value of a journey. You know, for generations, patients have thought we're dentists and butchers or money grabbers. So this is the first opportunity every single practice owner has had of building trust. And we very well know if you trust someone, you'll go back again. This is the opportunity to build your long-term plan. No industry can do this. Most times you have to create a product and then convince people, look, look what I've created is brilliant. Here, there's already a need. Build your practice and people can walk in. Now, one of the challenges though that young dentists will face is um, you know, the financing for practice. Gaining access to finance isn't easy. But there are options, options of building joint plans. You know, there are corporates that will give you a certain percentage and you do it. There are options of talking to the mentor who you talk to and say, I come in as your mentee, mm -hmm. but as a career progression, I buy X percent every year, which means you get an exit in a few years. Mm -hmm. Now, if you realize a lot of these solutions are out of box thinking again, mm -hmm. you cannot work the con conventional way anymore. Associates have to be uh, you know, creative and think differently, in my opinion. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because if you speak to the average person in the street, they probably wouldn't associate creativity with something like dentistry. Yes. But what you say, and I'm not clear, there is a lot of creativity just in the actual work of, of dentistry. But that kind of level of creativity in the in the way you're approaching the business and kind of challenging the status quo, coming up with different and better ways of doing things, is is a really interesting one, isn't it? I think. Yeah, I think it is. And and in this, some people may find models that are replicable. And that becomes industry norm. Yeah. But invariably, the old norm of come as an associate, work for five years, buy yeah. my practice, here's the goodwill, I think it's gone. The NHS contracts may remain, but as they shrink, the other thing is you want a rewarding, happy career. You yeah. want patients who appreciate what you do. Um, I want to go home and sleep well. Yeah. You know? and, and, um, and, and that's the way the associate needs to think in today's industry. Yeah. The opportunity is brilliant. If they're thinking, I'm going to reduce my days and do something else, this gives you the opportunity to do that with even more freedom. Yeah. Um, so it's a way to think about it. Yeah, fascinating. What about what about dentistry as a as a career choice? So let's just kind of wind back a little bit yeah. further from from the dentists that are already qualified. How do you think dentistry is is positioned in terms of attracting new talent into the profession at the moment? Do you think it's it's as attractive as, as it's always been or 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 has there been some change there? Um this is the point where I take my hand and slap against my uh, my <laughs> forehead and say, "Don't," because there's so much negativity out there. Mm. Uh, and and everyone asks me, "Would you would you encourage your son to be a dentist?" And I said, "If he wants to, I would go full wholeheartedly because yeah. never has there been an opportunity like this." Yeah. This is when people think I'm on a drug or something because then negativity is all about oh patients don't care or litigation's high. Do things the right way, the proper way. Win the trust of your patients you have a group of people who will appreciate you so much they will value you and they'll say thank you with the dollars so you'll have financial reward they will say thank you with a clean heart you'll have emotional reward i think dentistry is at the best it's ever been and it's not been sold very well at the yeah. moment 
a lot of people have been through historical dental um, journeys and uh, they're not you know they're frustrating because of the bureaucracy I think we stand for a very nice future in a new environment that needs to be embraced I'm a pot I'm an optimist by the way always, <laughs> and you know that. Um, well yeah and a fascinating advice as well um, uh, we're just coming towards the end of, of our podcast Drew I'm just wondering looking back at the, the Drew shot of when you, you left uh, dental school and you, you had all that debt and whatever if we were to kind of pick you up and put you down today, yeah, would you make the same decisions or would you make different decisions than, than you made at that time? I That's a difficult question because knowing what I know today and mm. being where I am today, I'm grateful I made those decisions yeah. because they brought me to insights I would never have had. Um, but the one thing that I think I learned a bit later and which I would have done better is develop a greater sense of self-awareness and understanding my values, my beliefs, my patterns, the things that I am. Um, took me a long time to realize what makes Drusha. And that is powerful. In this journey, a lot of young associates react to the outside. There's a great course, I'll go on it. Oh, that guy is doing that. that. Stop and think about who you are and make the decisions authentic to you. You'll be on that journey more powerful and quicker. Um, and you'll reach your, your goals much quicker. That's the one thing I would have done. Otherwise, I've loved my journey, and I still enjoy what I do with. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, your enthusiasm, your enthusiasm, still absolutely kind of comes through, Drew. Drew, thanks ever so much. Thank it's you. been great, um, uh, fantastic value as usual, and I'm sure people, particularly young associates, will take a lot away from what you've been saying in this podcast. Well, thanks. I hope so. Um, but I, I think that be resilient, think out of the box. Yeah, those things will drive you forward. Great. Drew, thanks ever so much and uh, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.